0: at the bus stop, there's this girl and I'm like, man, she's real cute. And then like, I go sit on the bus and then she sat near me. And then I'm just like, and I was like, I'm going to talk to her, aren't I?
1: And
0: and, and, you know, it's not like I've never spoke to a girl before either. It's just, I've never approached a girl in public that I don't know. Sure. And I I just start talking to her and we actually just had this really, really nice conversation. just flowed so easily, so comfortably. And then eventually I said, Hey, you know, can I grab your number? You want to hang out sometime? And you know, she gave me the, I've got a boyfriend and, but literally, the second she said I got a boyfriend, I felt so fucking accomplished because I was like, <laughs> you know what, fuck it. Hey, no other guy on this bus would've sat down there and done that, like, damn. I didn't care I got rejected. It was like this overflow of like, whoo, all right. That, that felt really good. Like, I, I did something. I got out of my comfort zone. I said no to that little voice in my head. Did I get the results I wanted? I actually think I did.
1: <laughs> I'm Ren McDonald and this is The Hope Initiative a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth, where I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hope Initiative. My name is Rin MacDonald, your host. Thank you so much for joining me for what is episode 58 with Zach Galloway. Zach and I have never met in person, although I saw him ask a question to Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk. Some of you may know Gary V. is a massive entrepreneur and business owner of a huge marketing company, VaynerMedia, over in the states. And I came across Zach asking a question of him. In August of 2019, so about a year ago, and that was asking him to be a guest on his podcast, amongst other things. It's now been a year, and I wanted to get in touch with Zach to see if he's been able to make any ground on that with Gary, what his process is like in his own podcast, Running From Comfort. We chat about being a fully qualified lawyer, but not having any employment, not knowing your purpose. And also the importance of God, amongst other things. It was a great conversation with Zach. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Now, over to him. Zach Galloway, welcome to the Hope Initiative.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Yeah, you're welcome, man. So, we've never met in person, we just had a fairly decent chat before this, and that's really the most we've, most we've spoken, we've messaged back and forth over the past year. But uh, I came across you and who you are, and you've got a podcast called Running From Comfort, which you started in April last year, 2019. Mm-hmm. I came across you, I think it was the Success Resources Conference at the Melbourne Exhibition Centre in August. So a year mm-hmm. ago today, or a year, a year ago this time, and Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary Vee was talking on stage, and you managed to get a question in. There were probably... I don't know, 300 people lining up to ask him a question of the audience of about, I don't know, five to six, 7,000 odd. And you asked him to be a guest on your podcast.
0: Yes. And that was a very nerve wracking moment. Um, <laughs> I, I, I recall initially going, do I just walk up to the microphone and ask? I was like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. That's, that's bullshit. You can't do that. Yeah. Um, so then I was like, right, I want to ask him a question. And I was like, well, I had, you know, I had this idea in my mind about a few conversations I'd had about social media. I'm thinking, well, if Gary's on social media all the time, like I, I got to ask him about it. Like, it, does it affect his mental health? I mean, social media, I think affects all of our mental health. So I got up there, asked him the question. He gave a really great response. Um, I'm not sure I fully agreed with everything he, ha- he said in response. I agreed with a lot of it. Yep. Um, and then I was just <laughs> nervous as all hell. It was Just like, Hey, uh, can I get you on my podcast? And he <laughs> drops in, he drops in with a no. And I was like, defeat, cool, whatever, at least I did it. But then he gave a disclaimer and I can almost say a disclaimer word for word because <laughs> I've had to yeah, listen yeah. back to it so many times now, which was if, if you email me a year from today and put in the title, I was a guy who asked the question about the two insecure people, I asked you to come on my podcast. You said no, but you said send me an email in a year. And he said, if you send me an email a year from today and do that, I'll come on your podcast. And then I said, I'm going to hold you to it. And then he said, I will deliver. And? and I was just like, oh, well, and <laughs> as, as it stands, um, I've blown up Gary's inbox. Um, I've blown up D-Rock's inbox. Um, I've sent quite a few emails. I'm still yet to get a response. Gary, Gary, are you out there? Are you coming on the podcast? Come on. Come on. You said you will deliver. I'm, look, I trust you will. Um, I'm not banking on my podcast being a, a success based upon Gary V coming on. Sure, sure but of course I want to, I'd love to have the man on. Um, there is a lot I want to ask him. I assume if I, when I get him on, it'll probably be limited to maybe half an hour or so. So I'm really going to have to think about the questions that I've got for him. I've definitely, I've got a few, I've I've got a few, I want to ask him. Um, a few that I don't, I'm not sure he's even been asked before, which is, I think, I think it's going to be quite interesting. Um, Hmm. If anybody out here knows who the hell Gary Vee is, can you start blowing up his inbox for me? <laughs> <laughs> I need help, guys. I problem. seriously need help.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, you've you've obviously gone to his right-hand man, D-Rock, for anyone who doesn't know who Gary Vee is. D-Rock's like his his videography. He travels with him wherever he goes. And, yeah, man, I I, I actually know a young kid, uh, George Vajakis. if he's listening to this. I think he might listen to the old episode. But he has... You know, had a few engagements with uh, with D over Twitter. So who knows? I'm sure. I'm sure you'll get you'll get him at some point. Whether it's you know in the next few few months or or whatever. But it's been a year. So I want to ask you your your podcast running from comfort. Why did you start your podcast?
0: That's a very very good question. Um, and look, this takes me back to probably around the end of 2018, but maybe even before that podcast was something that I loved from the moment. I think Serial was the first podcast I listened to like properly. Like I'd heard bits and pieces of podcasts before Serial. I was just engrossed. Anyone who hasn't heard Serial season one of Serial is like the best true crime story you'll ever have flown through your ears. You've, have you heard?
1: I haven't, I haven't. I've listened to a lot. Oh. of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But not, not the first season. Of that.
0: And then, You know, I got into basketball podcasts and then, you know, I started getting into different types of podcasts. Um, I started listening to a little bit of Joe Rogan. I used to love the tasteless gentleman podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with their Instagram meme page, but they have a hilarious podcast. It used to get me through work. I used to work a job that I hated. So I was just podcasts all day, all day.
1: Um,
0: and then I get to about the end of 2018 and I'm in a very big turning point in my life. Um, so to preface it, um, over a year past being a qualified lawyer, um, not employed as a lawyer yet working two jobs, hustling around, trying to figure out life. Life is a very, very difficult thing to figure out. And ultimately I came to a point where I felt quite low. Um, I was lacking my own purpose. I was confused as what I was doing. Um, I felt like a failure. Felt like a big failure because um, in Australia, a lot of fully qualified lawyers never actually practice law. Um, It's just there's not enough jobs. That's that's a sad reality of it. And being a year fully qualified, going through all these job interviews and everything, um, I really I'd really lost hope. I'd really lost hope on that. And I guess at some point, it just came to me like you like all these podcasts. You like talking. Um, everybody around me knows I talk way too much. And I was like, why aren't I starting my own podcast? Like who cares if anybody listens to it, who cares if it makes any money? Why don't I start my own? So I thought long and hard about it. And I was like, well, well, what's my podcast going to be about? And I guess, you know, during this time I'd been listening to the likes of, you know, people like Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro. Um, I'd be getting into my Joe Rogan, (laughs) great podcast, um, and really i was trying to find within myself what was my purpose and you know i still wrestle with what is my purpose now but what i really realized was other people know their purpose other people know what they like doing and we live in a world that has so much opportunity so i think i had this very narrow view on life you know and my narrow view Might've come from my parents, might've come from my circumstances, but that was a view of like, you get a job, you get, so sorry, you go to school, you get good grades, you go to university, you get a good paying job, you work a career for 40, 50 years. um, And then you build up a lot of wealth and then you eventually retire. And that's that, like that's life. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but it kind of sounds a bit depressing and I think a lot of the jobs that people get, a lot of you know, the high-paying jobs that people are sought after, they're not that satisfying. They're not that fulfilling. Um, look, I'm not going to take a dig at anybody, but like, you know, obviously people like numbers, but how many people could honestly say they enjoy something like accounting? Like That would be one of the sort of jobs that you get into. You might eventually become a high-paying career. I mean, like, obviously there are people that really truly love it, but how many people working and actually truly love it? Sure. And when you think, of, you think about your career, you think about that's so much of your life. So if you're not loving what you're doing, then you're hating most of your day. And, you know, I was there working two jobs, not really enjoying a lot of what I was doing. Yeah, right. And the more I sort of thought about these things, I was like, there's so much more opportunity in this world. Like you have this thing called a smartphone and you could literally use that to start your own brand. And what can you do with a brand? You can start your own business. And, you know, I'm looking around, it's like, all right, how are these like YouTubers making money? Cause I know YouTube pays fuck all. And then it's like, Oh, the YouTube becomes the brand. And then from there, they can promote their business, whatever that is, or they can get into affiliates and stuff like that. And then I'm like, well, all right, now you've got this world of social media where you can build a brand around just about anything. So. Technically, almost anybody could make it. Now, obviously, there's a big caveat, and that is how bad do you want it? And that's a big question. And that's a question that I wrestle with because what happened when I started my podcast was I was trying to turn myself into the world's most productive person. Have you, have you been through one of those phases?
1: <laughs> oh, of course. It's very hard in the lockdown. but you- Definitely. <laughs> Definitely have.
0: And, and so... When, you, when you're in that state, you just, you just get so excited, you just get revved up. So I, just, so I didn't really know what I was doing, but I had this idea, which was if you get outside your comfort zone, you will grow and you can achieve what you want to achieve. And at a deeper level than that, I truly believe we're all born with a purpose. And I believe our purpose is very much in line with our talents and our gifts. Now, that goes back to, I guess, my Christian roots, because that's very much an idea in the Bible, which is that God made us all with talents and we're supposed to be using our talents. Um, Now you might say that's to glorify God as well, which I don't think is a bad thing because one of the other things I kind of started unraveling was that a lot of the traits that make a good entrepreneur are almost like biblical. Um, You know, like he's talking about gratitude, um, not complaining, you know, uh, patience, things like this, you know, these are like a lot of the attributes that an entrepreneur needs, you know, not being afraid, you know, fear not, because I suppose for somebody that wants to do their own thing, failure becomes a massive fear. It becomes a massive roadblock. And so the whole premise of my show really was who are these people that are actually doing what they want to do with their lives? How are they doing it? What challenges have they overcome? You know, what, you know, what can they give to the world? in terms of the experience they've been through. And what I have found is every single conversation I've had, I've learned from my guests and in even just the process of going out there and having these conversations, I was actually getting out of my own comfort zone myself. And so the way I kind of see my show is I am on my own learning journey. I'm trying to get out of my own comfort zone and learn about life, learn about myself, learn about other people. And through this journey, through having conversations with other people, other people, if I'm learning, other people are going to be learning too. And I guess that's a really long-winded way to say that's how my podcast came about. And then the next step was, well, what do we do? And that is you start reaching out to people and you start finding guests.
1: Yeah. That old chestnut. Dude, that's that's a lot. Thank you for sharing that. That is a lot to unpack. I really appreciate it. I mean, yeah, a few questions immediately like, why did you become a lawyer. Was that something you wanted to do from a young age? Like to me, that's not a job that I would aspire to. Like you mentioned accounting and I can fully understand where you're coming from. And yeah, there might be a small percentage of people who love that. But, um, you know, being a lawyer, you know, you're helping, you know, the justice system helping maybe, you know, put the bad guy away or however you want to frame it. Why did you want to become a lawyer or did you, or was there, were the pressures from, from family parents?
0: think you mean get the bad guys off um not good put them away. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't practice criminal law so I'm not doing any of that. That's well, a very very good question and it, it is kind of hard to pinpoint. I think one of the first times the idea crossed my mind was I used to argue with my teachers a lot and look I think I actually did a pretty good job at arguing with my teachers and I think one of the feedback that I always used to get was you should just be a lawyer. <laughs> so I think I think that's the first time it crossed my mind. Yeah. Um, And when I was in college, I really remember I wanted to do something to do with law. I was either going to be a police officer or a lawyer. Um, I decided not to apply for the police force at the time because I hadn't met all the criteria. And I went into university. Um, and the first preference that I put down was law school. And once I got accepted into law school, I was like, well, that's it. I'm gonna be a lawyer. And Um, I think originally I had aspirations of being a criminal lawyer. I like the idea of being a barrister, getting up in front of a judge, arguing on behalf of the client. You know, I think these are really, really cool things. And law school was very challenging because very quickly after only being in law school for about a year, I was already questioning what I was doing. Um, I was doing law business and then I decided to stick it out and go straight law questioned what i was doing the whole time um second year i was really excited about becoming a lawyer though because i started watching suits i don't know if you've
1: seen the show i've seen a few episodes i yeah my housemate loves it for sure
0: <laughs> and look i don't think this highly of myself but when i was watching suits i kind of used to think like yeah i want to kind of, i feel like i'm a little bit like mike ross but i want to be harvey specter <laughs> so i always kind of saw myself as trying to be this like in the middle of those two characters now as I said, I don't think that highly of myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I carry on. Um, I really questioned it towards the end of it. And, but by the time I got to legal practice, we got to do a lot of, you know, work in front of judges. So in Hobart, which is where I'm from, Tasmania, you know, small little Island town, basically, cause we had such a small tight knit legal community. When I was going to, through my legal practicing, which is get your practicing certificate to be a lawyer, we actually got to do fake trials with real judges. So we got to do moot points to actual judges. And that was really cool. And you want to talk running from comfort. I tell you what, man, sweating bullets in front of a real judge as like a 22-year-old trying <laughs> to make an argument um, wow. on whatever facts that you've been given. Man, that, that, that's an experience. That's an experience yeah, but- in itself. Um, but I honestly, I finished law school and I hope my boss isn't listening. I didn't think I wanted to be a lawyer anymore. <laughs> I finished all of that. And a story that I haven't told too often was the day I actually graduated, not just, uh, law school, but also my practicing certificate. Um, that day I, I literally just came home and cried. Uh, I had no idea. I was like, right, cool. Because I think the idea I had in my mind then was being a lawyer to some degree, and this is going to sound really bad. Any lawyers listening, apologies. But to some degree, I could see how being in the law profession of being a lawyer is almost just like a leveled up office job, but it's the same game. Just more hours, less flexibility, and more grind. Right. <laughs> um, wow. And I think, I, I think to a degree I was a little bit put off by it. Um, but I did my diligence. I applied for every job I could find under the sun, nothing. And I never really knew what was going to happen. I got presented with an opportunity to come to Melbourne um, to work to get legal experience with the the possibility of becoming a lawyer after six weeks. I got fired within four. That was my first within four weeks. My first time, yeah, within four weeks of four weeks weeks of coming to Melbourne. So I've just come to Melbourne on my own. You know, I'm finally I'm finally here. I finally got a job. Promise of being a lawyer. It took four weeks before I was out, and. I can see why I understand how cutthroat the profession is at the time. It seemed like so unfair. It seemed like the end of the world. I was done. I was done. I was like, I, I didn't know what. Um, but eventually I found my way back into the legal industry. And right now I do love what I'm doing. Um, my job's a bit hard. <laughs> I, I practice in self-managed super funds and tax. Um, but the level of experience that I'm getting right now, I wouldn't trade it in for anything else. Um, so right now, you know, I'm lawyering. I'm running a document practice practically on my own. We do lots of documents. I run a podcast for our firm. I write articles every month. Um, And, you know, we've got to assist with the marketing and the back end of the business because we're like a small tight knit law firm with maybe about five lawyers at the moment. And we operate at quite a high level with a lot of clients and we've got a lot to do. So we've got a lot of shared responsibility. So I'm in this very unique position right now and that position is I get the best of learning how to be an entrepreneur while being a lawyer. And I, I mean like honestly, right before I got that job, I was ready to give up on being a lawyer altogether. I didn't even want it anymore. I didn't even want to be a criminal barrister, um, which was like my original dream coming into law. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was done with it. I was like, the only thing that I would be doing as a lawyer would be working my tail off just to make money. I, I, I couldn't really find the love in it anymore. Um, I couldn't see the purpose in it. And by this point, I had started my podcast. And really what I was beginning to see was I could do something that I enjoyed more and something that could be more purposeful than just being a lawyer. Now, I really hope my boss isn't listening <laughs> as we speak. I doubt he is. I highly doubt he, he will. But if I had to be totally frank, I mean, I don't see myself being a lawyer for the remainder of my career. Um, I really see what I'm doing right now as a stepping stone to my future and I could not be any more blessed with the opportunity that I have right now. Now it does mean I work a lot of hours. Um, it means I'm under the pump a lot. I got deadlines to meet (laughs) and you know, there has been a big sacrifice in my personal life, which is something that I'd kind of been dreading moving into becoming a lawyer, but you know, it's a challenge that I take on every day and I, I really do love it.
1: Yeah, right. That's good, man. So, again, more, more places I can take this. You, you say you grew up in Tasmania, and that was obviously where you started your journey as a lawyer. But I'd like to know, and you can feel free to give a bit of context, although I don't, I don't feel like I'm going to need to prompt you with these things. Can you maybe share with me how you feel your life has turned out differently from what you maybe expected from when you were a teenager or a young child? living in Tassie, and now, like, how old are you now? 26. 26-year-old so 26 now in Melbourne. I assume you moved here, what, in the past 24 months,
0: by the sounds of it? Yeah, January 2018. January 2018.
1: So, two and a half years. How's life turned out differently, Zach?
0: Very, very, very differently. What did I think my life would be? Well, if you ask me when I was a teenager, oh, my God. I wasn't a very happy teenager. Um, I spent a lot of my schooling years being bullied, overweight, and, you know, being called everything from ugly, fat, pubes. I think pubes is one of my nicknames because I used to grow, not do anything in my hair, just let it grow and had this big bushy afro. So yeah, got called pubes. Um, I experienced a lot of bullying growing up. I had a very low self-image, no real self-confidence at all. I had to learn a lot of these things myself. Um, but what I saw was I saw somebody that was probably going to spend his life in Tasmania. Um, I probably, I probably visioned my life as I'll get a good job and I'll get paid well because the one thing that I knew I had going for me was I had a working brain. Although that's debatable at times, (laughs) (laughs) but I always kind of thought to myself, I'll be out at least work a decent job, earn a good living, live with my parents until I can afford to buy my own place. Um, and then, but then I think also I was like, yeah, and I'll probably die alone in a virgin and no woman will ever love me because that, that was how low my self-image was. Yeah. Um, as I started progressing through university, I still saw myself living in Tasmania. Um, I couldn't see myself living in a I just loved it. Um, and I think for me, Tasmania was a big comfort. Um, I thought it was the best place in the world. I think it's probably one of the safest places in the world. But it's one of those things where it's like, there's nothing ever really new under the sun. And it's the one thing that I always notice every time I go back to Tasmania too, is that it's just like, everything's the same. Everybody's doing the same thing. Everybody's just kicking on with life. And now that I've started to come out of my shell a bit, I don't think I could have done that. I think I would have driven myself crazy. Um, And so now how has it changed? Well, the first thing was getting to Melbourne and getting fired within four weeks, really lights a fire up under your belly because you got to move fast. You need a job. You need to earn a living and you need to get yourself back up on your feet. Uh, the last thing I wanted to do was move back to Tasmania. Although my parents were very much prompting me to do so to some degree, my mum probably more so than my dad. <laughs> I think my dad was like stupid boy. Like, go on, get out there, get another job. You'll be right. Um, <laughs> my mindset changed a ton. Yeah. Um, and I think probably one of the biggest things that I think was probably brought about was humility. Um, because I guess while I didn't have that big of a self image, I st- I still think I had quite a big ego when it came to what it was about my own thoughts and beliefs about life, um, thoughts about other people in general. I think I used to be quite a very judgmental person. Um, I, st- I think I still had like a capability for empathy, but really... I've had a big change in how I see the world, how I see other people, how I see myself. Like I, I, I no longer see myself as constrained and restricted to just one path. Like let's just say for whatever reason, I got fired from being a lawyer tomorrow. I would be like, okay, you know what? That's cool. I've had that experience now. I'm gonna try something else. And if you asked me that a couple of years ago, if I'd become a lawyer and got fired, it would have been, well, I did get fired a couple of years ago. It was the worst thing in the world. I was in an absolute panic. I questioned everything. Um, I questioned, did I have the ability to be a lawyer? Um, What, like, what's my purpose? Like, how am I supposed to go on in life? I, 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 it was, it was just one of those really, really earth shattering experiences. But the thing about those real hard times is you you grow because you got no choice. You, you, You literally have no choice. And I think my mindset, I used to be so comfortable and lazy as well. Like, you know, all I ever wanted to do in my spare time was just play as many video games as I could, or go shoot the basketball or, watch basketball or movies or whatever. Like I, I liked wasting my spare time. I didn't like doing anything really with it at all.
1: Yeah.
0: And I even think like one of my thoughts, you know, moving into Laura is like, man, where am I going to find time to play all these video games? Like I don't even play video games anymore, man. Like miss me with that. Not cause I hate them. I just don't, I just don't got time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure.
0: Um,
1: so life's changed. So a lot. I, yeah.
0: Life, life has changed a lot. Um, And I think, I think I've really started to find my identity, find my strength, find my inner will, um, but also learn to love other people and to not judge other people. Because now that I've been through my own shit and my own sort of hard yards, and it wasn't necessarily the hardest shit to go through. I'm sure there'll be plenty more, but I think also when you, when you, when you get out of it, like a bad circumstance, like something that seems dreadful, I think you really learn to judge other people less because you can really start to see, okay, well, this person's probably got reasons why they're like that. And, hey, you're not so good yourself, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Like, you don't realize that as a young young kid, right, who's been bullied. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I've I was bullied a bit in high school, but I also bullied others in, in primary school. I, I can remember doing that. It's not cool. And I think you don't have much self-awareness as a young kid, not to say that that's a reason to justify bullying at all, but mm. I'll, I'll admit to you that I did. And on this podcast that I, I definitely did and it's not cool, but I'm glad that you were able to sort of realize what you needed to realize and find the strength, to whether it was to study law and move to melbourne and after the four weeks you know you you get you get sacked to carry on and and maybe not move back when Mum's offering that comforting arm like it's you literally you didn't need to run because you were across across the ocean from her and you you know you weren't going back so that's good can you describe to me sort of the emotions you felt you said it was you know quite scary in a sense when you got sacked and what you what you turn to what did you do for for work
0: okay so the first i suppose thing that happened was i had a casual job in hobart that they also had an office over here in victoria so the first thing i said was hey um is there any chance you guys have any work up in your victorian office because i just needed work um And then I guess not long after that, I wound up getting a second job at another law firm, not as a lawyer um, in a clerking slash assistant role. And that was going to, you know, keep me in the legal industry and, you know, keep food on the table, keep a roof over my head. What were some of the thoughts that I went through? Um, About as as dark as I can recall. Um, The first was probably the absolute feeling of failure. Um, And this, like feeling of helplessness like everything's out of my control like that's it you know you, you, you messed your life up all right cool you studied law for five for four years you did your half year um you know you finally after all this time got a job out of Prack and now you're fired like who's gonna who's gonna hire you again after this like how are you actually going to find your way back into the industry um it, it felt like i had a real big black spot on my career that i wasn't sure if i was ever going to be able to you know clear away and you know yeah. fart my way back in Um, depression, um, lots of anxiety, not, you know, when you're not certain as to what your future is, you know, there is a lot of anxiety, a lot of regret as well. Like, you know, thinking I could have done better in law school. I didn't even have to study law. You know, at this point, I'm starting to think what, what could I have done outside of law? Like why did I actually study law? Like, couldn't I have studied something else? Like maybe I could be in a different job. Maybe I should do something else. So there was a lot of questioning as do I, should I go back and study? Should, Should I just try a different career? Like, do I just put a, some different pair of shoes on and just run, just run with it and see how I go. Um, A lot of questioning, um, a lot of crying, (laughs) a lot of crying. (laughs) I didn't really have friends over here was the other thing as well. You know, I knew a few people over here and you know, I I do have some friends and back home that I do catch up with, but at that time I really had no one. And I really felt like, you know, I really only had myself I had, to, had some really good friends from back home that, you know, would talk, would talk with me, you know, check up on me and make sure I was all right. Um, and other than that, it was a very lonely experience up until I found my new place. I very luckily, the last day of my lease, found another place to move into, which, which actually ended up being really, really good. And, you know, I got, I got to meet some, you know, people there that became really, really, really good friends of mine. And that was a really nice positive experience in the end. And it was a really big growth experience too. And I think like all of us in that house, we were all kind of going through our own thing at the same time. So it really, it really brought us all together. And I think, you know, without the encouragement of those boys as well, um, I probably wouldn't be the person I am today. And I, I mean, like, I'll tell you just a little funny story, which was like one of my first out of my comfort zone experiences. The first time I ever asked a lady I didn't know for a number out in public was because one of the boys there I remember I said to him, I was like, you know, I'm in Melbourne, I'm in a new city, like it'd be nice to meet some ladies, kind of thing. And I was like, my friend's like, why don't you just go talk to one that you like? And I was like, you know, like there's so many hot girls, nobody nobody wants to talk to. He's like, no, fuck it. Just go. Next time you see a nice girl you like, just go up to her, have a chat with her, and see what happens. And I was like, all right, all right, cool. (laughs) And literally that same day, that same day, I get on this bus, I get on this bus, and at the bus stop, there's this girl and I'm like, man, she's real cute. And then like I go sit on the bus and then she's sat near me, and then I'm just like and I was like, I'm going to talk to her, aren't I?
1: And,
0: and, and you know, it's not like I've never spoke to a girl before either. It's just I've never approached a girl in public that I don't know. For sure. And I, and I just started talking to her. And we actually just had this really, really nice conversation. just flowed so easily, so comfortably. And then eventually I said, hey, you know, can I grab your number? You want to hang out sometime? And you know, she gave me the, I've got a boyfriend. And, but literally, the second she said i got a boyfriend, I felt so fucking accomplished because I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Hey, no other guy on this bus would have sat down there and done that. Like, damn. I, I didn't care I got rejected. It was like this overflow of like, whoo. all right. That, that felt really good. Like, I, I did something. I got out of my comfort zone. I said no to that little voice in my head. Did I get the results I wanted? I actually think I did.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's awesome, man. That's really good. Mm. That's a fucking cool story. I, I have... Similar emotions coming back from, yeah, when I've asked girls for numbers out in public. It's nerve-wracking as fuck.
0: <laughs> Any success?
1: <laughs> I've, I've had some success, yes. But mm. um, I actually asked a girl for a number once. She was helping me with clothes in uh, a shop in the city. And I'm like, this girl seems a bit too, like, helpful. And she was really cute. Mm. She gave me a number. But there you go. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know what you're talking about. So it's like oh, you're, you're a little bit extra friendly, and then you, you you pop the question. I've I've had that a few times, and then they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's, yeah, you, like it is. It's out of your comfort zone. You you got to do these things sometimes. And I think, like you say, did you get the result you wanted? I'm sure, you didn't get a number, but it it made you realize. And I'm sure you know you're not going to die if the person like mm. she's not going to stab you. She's not going to pull out a gun and shoot you. You're not going to not mm. everyone on the bus isn't going to laugh at you. But mm-hmm. you still have that insecurity. Where where do you think that comes from? Insecurity. Well, that, that feeling, like obviously the adrenaline is mm. like it's it's brilliant in a way. But the the back off, like you have got that friend of yours. Was that an Irish accent you were doing before? Couldn't yeah, quite make it. He was that. Irish. Irish. Big, yeah. Big cool.
0: Steve. Shout out. I'm gonna send Big Steve this podcast. If you listen to this, man.
1: Steve, <laughs> you you're helping him out. So. You know, he's given you some encouragement to do it and that very day, an opportunity arises. I love that. The universe is doing that all the time with me, mm-hmm. I think, and with so many people. Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not you can take the the opportunity. But where do you think... And, the, yeah, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, you know, that that moment, I feel like it was such a little moment. And it's not like I used that moment to become some sort of shtick man that was going around asking girls their number left, right and center. That's not what happened. Sure. You know, I didn't, I didn't, go, I didn't go turn into a manho or anything like that. But... I think it was a very defining moment in my life because it was, that was one of the most uncomfortable things I'd done. And it's not like I hadn't been with women before or anything like that. It's like I hadn't had girlfriends or things like that, but just that experience of like a complete stranger and just like going for it was something so different. And so out there that I think that really was defining for me because um, from there, I used that to, I guess, as like a point of courage, like, you know, if I can do that, then yeah, I can be more outspoken in other places. And um, one of the other things I first did when I touted this podcast was I went to this, they had this, it was like an open mic night, but for entrepreneurs, I guess. So it's like, it's called a pitch night. And this is when I barely had the bearings as to what my podcast was. I had a title, hadn't done a single interview yet. I just had a concept and a title and I just went off the cuff, made a one minute speech in front of a room of like close to a hundred people. Wow. And I just remember everyone like, I just remember that gave me some opportunity. I got some of my first podcast guests from that actual event. Um, and I just remember being like, so, so nervous, like sweating, like I'm about to pee myself. <laughs> but I, you know, I, 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 remember in that moment, just thinking back, you know, like, you know, you, you're a pretty confident dude. Like, you know, you, you can do this, just get out there, be outspoken. Um, it's brilliant. And I think you, you were going to ask me a question. Were you going to ask about where I think the adrenaline comes from when you approach women?
1: <laughs> Something along those lines. More, more the, the apprehension to get out of your comfort zone and, yeah, where those fears come from.
0: I, I, I want to go on one slight tangent for a moment because I think the fear from approaching women, my understanding of this, and I think that this is more an evolutionary psychology perspective, is that we used to, we used to live in small tribes, very limited women. Now, actual fact about life, you have twice as many female ancestors as males. Males fail to reproduce at a very, very high rate. Now, if you live in a community that's a small tribe and there's limited women and you get rejected by a woman, then you've got very limited options to plant <laughs> um, yeah. your seed because the, the yeah. ultimate goal, you know, we're hardwired for reproduction. Um, and the way I like it is, you know, the Bible, the first command God gives Adam and Eve is be fruitful and multiply like <laughs> that that was the first thing he said It's like get busy make more of yourselves and it's that's <laughs> that's like almost like the driving instinct of life when you think about everything we do it's it is the driving instinct for men why do you want to build wealth because you need to look after your family <laughs> you need to build a legacy you need to build something great right um and so when you get shot down by a woman um there is this there is this thought of like oh my god I'm never going to reproduce. I'm not going to pass on my seat. That's it. Survival is done. We're going extinct. Mm -hmm. The family name is over. And that's subconsciously what's going on. And that creates very high levels of fear because when we approach these situations where we think we find an appropriate mate, it creates this heavy anxiety of like my future of my genes can depend upon how this conversation goes. Now, a lot of guys won't register that consciously but at a very deep and subconscious level, that's what's going on. That's what's spurting a lot of the fear and the anxiety. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: I guess what I and what your actual question then was, what, what, what's the spur to action? Was that?
1: Yeah. I mean, you've, you've essentially answered it there though. It's not a tangent. It's, it's absolutely, you know, the, the answer it's Yeah. It's that fear of rejection and maybe not knowing if you'll, you'll have another opportunity. And at a really base level, like you, you sort of referenced, that's what we used to be like in, in small tribes. So I completely subscribe to that reality. Whereas now, almost the choice of so many different potential mates around the world, social media, I mean, s- sort of circling back to that question with Gary V, it can, it can make you feel like whilst there's so much choice, you might still not find anyone, right?
0: Yeah, no, well, the, the problem is we, problem. Have the, we have the illusion of choice because, I mean, try watch something on Netflix. If you don't know what you're already going to watch and you just want to browse and find something, good luck. Yeah. And look, I won't go too deep into it, but I, I think there's a very big correlation between um, how superficial dating is in the modern world and our dating apps. And it's definitely skewed in favor of women. Um, Definitely much so. And to put it very bluntly and very shortly, the way I see it is that women build up their self-esteem at the cost of men's because every single time a dude gets rejected, it can build reps. But subconsciously, you also recognize you've been rejected. And a rejection can be as simple as a no reply. Like that That could be as simple as a rejection. And when you think about the dynamic of a woman who's on Tinder that gets like 100 messages a day from all these thirsty dudes versus the dude that's messaged, you know, the 10 matches it took him a week to get, and only heard back from two of them, and then organized a date with both of them and gotten flaked. <laughs> sure. You, 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 create a, you create a very bad paradigm. But look, I think this fear, this fear thing that we get, it's paralyzing. And I think what also spouts me is anxiety. And I think anxiety is very much a future based thing. Now, I, I've spent a lot of time in my life dealing with a lot of anxiety, not as much the last couple of years, but very much in my early 20s. And I find a lot of the time, what spouts anxiety is worrying about the future, whether that be career, whether it be your potential mate, whether it be where you're going to be in life. Um, if you're in a bad circumstance, like, you know, am I going to get out of this? And that can cause a lot of anxiety. It's very much future-based. And it's very, very, very paralyzing. And, you know, the fear of rejection, it's not just, you know, from girls it is in your career, especially, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you want to start a business, right? There is a fear that your dreams will never get off the ground. And a lot of people think they only ever have one shot. That's, that's the scariest thing about it because you have so many opportunities, so many shots to shoot. Like you, you literally have an unlimited clip. You can, you, until you breathe your last breath, you have opportunity to do anything in this life. And really the only way I think to push through that, anxiety is to actually just to push through it now it can be hard it could be very very hard because our thoughts control us it controls every aspect of what we, well it doesn't control us but they can a lot of us are victims to our thoughts this is something that i have spent years trying to learn is how to not be a victim to my thoughts because i can beat myself up in my head i can stop myself from doing things the biggest thing that will stop you from doing what you want in life is to give into that fear because you know what that fear will tell you it's not worth doing You're just going to make a fool of yourself it's so much easier to just take the easy route and that's what the fear will tell you to do it be like you're not good enough and that's okay it's okay that you're not good enough so just sit back relax have a cup of tea and don't do it it's going to be so much safer you know you don't you're not going to have to face the embarrassment of her being like you're not my type you're not going to have to face the failure of i put all this time and effort and money into this business and it never got off the ground and fear will stop you from doing all of those things. And what, 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 I, what I love in the Bible is, you know, God tells us, he says, I did not make you with a spirit of fear. And I think that fear is something that ultimately we create ourselves.
1: I love that. It's obviously got a point though, fear. I think you can harness it in the right way. How have you managed with that, do you think? Do you think you use it? Because I'm sure you still fear things now. It's not like it ever goes away, right? Even for, yeah. the, even for Joe Rogan, even for Tim Ferriss, for these guys, I'm sure.
0: Well, when I'm afraid of something, I find that's an indicator that it's something I should do. Because, I mean, something that I, that, I, that I truly, truly believe as well, you know, the way, the way I said before how God said he didn't make us with the spirit of fear, right? I, I believe at another level that there is, there is like spiritual, I guess you might say warfare happening around us. And I truly think that sometimes when we face things like fear, it is the enemy trying to stop us from getting our blessing. And this is, this is kind of something that I think is like the devil's game. And what, what's the devil's game? Well, the Bible says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And now you can take the devil as a literal figure, which I think he is. I think he's a spiritual figure. And I think that somewhere along in, the, in the spiritual world, that, does, that can intercede with our thoughts. Because um, our thoughts do come in wavelengths. So if I think of a spiritual world, I think it's like a wavelength reality that exists around us and outside of us. Right. But at the same time, you can look at it as a more literal level. What is the devil to you? Well, the devil will be your worst thoughts. It will be your fears. It'll be the things that wants to keep you trapped in your addictions. Um, it'll be anything that's going to take you away from your purpose, anything that's going to take you away from what you could and should be doing. And every day we're presented with choices and they could be very, very simple choices. Um, it could be as simple as I'm gonna to go to the gym rather than sit down and watch the TV. Now, you might... And, you know, one choice is going to give you a better outcome the next day. You go to the gym, you get a workout in, you build some muscle, you get some health. But if you just sat down, watched TV and ate Uber Eats, what, what did you do to better yourself? And I think the devil very much uses comfort to keep a lot of people away from their purpose in life.
1: Right. It's interesting. So, how, though, do you... Do you feel like there's any positives from it though, from fear?
0: Oh, yeah. It makes you, for one, it makes you feel alive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that adrenaline.
0: When you're afraid, yeah. Um, but like I said, it could be, a, I find it can be a good indicator that if I'm afraid of something, it might mean that it's something I should do. Right. And that, because the other thing about fear is it, it, it draws you towards your comfort. Like when you're afraid, you want to calm down. And so it's, it's going to pull you back into the guise of comfort. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect. Like there's, there's definitely times where I've been afraid to do something and then I just don't take action. And that becomes regret. But I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing either because nobody's perfect. Who's going to go through life without making any mistakes? Who's not going to have regrets? Now, you can sit there and, you know, chew yourself up about your regrets or you can learn from it and better yourself. So I think that fear can be a very good thing in the sense that one, all right, if I'm afraid to do this, maybe it's a good idea. Maybe it's a bad idea though. Maybe you're afraid to do it because you're about to break the law. You're about to do something fucking real bad. And then, you know, maybe the fear is a good thing because it's going to stop you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: But I, I, I don't think it's a good thing overall in totality because, you know, we can see it, right now in the world we're living in and you know, I won't go too deep into it, but you know, we live in the COVID world right now. And I think one of the worst things about it is that the media is constantly spouting fear and you can, and when you go for a walk outside and you see how people are, you can see how very reactive we are to the fear. You can see how it's changing people. You can see how it's, you know, embedded in their psychology that, you know, if somebody sees you walking down the street in Melbourne and your mask is not covering your face, they're looking at you like, whoa,
1: you're
0: going to kill me if you, Coughed near me, like. Yeah. So fear, fear can also be a very negative thing, and oh, it sure. can really chew people up. And getting back to it, this is why what I love what the Bible says is like, f- fear not he who can kill the body, but only fear him who can kill the body and the soul. And if you want to take that out of a context of God's got to send you to hell, which is kind, of, it's because like at a literal meaning, it's saying don't fear anything but only fear God because he's the only person that can actually kill your soul. Right. Right. Cause that's, that's the eternal part of us. But at another level, it's saying like, don't fear anything like don't. And I find that to be very encouraging because like I said, fear, it, it just, it can hold you back. It can be paralyzing. It can stop you from doing anything. It can stop you from your purpose, stop you from your potential, stop you from meeting your potential mates, stop you from doing what you need to do. And if you're able to, break away from your fear then you can truly be free
1: nice man I really love that I love that how do you feel because we are in a COVID world right now the 17th of August 2020
0: Mm -hmm.
1: where you know, start of week three of lockdown, stage four in, in Melbourne of a six-week lockdown, and there have been all sorts of lockdowns around the world. I spoke to a lady living in Tel Aviv, Israel last week or in the last episode of the podcast, and she explained how they were allowed a 100-meter radius from their place of residence. Like, we've got 5Ks now. Imagine 100 meters.
0: Where, where, did you say in Israel?
1: Yeah, yeah. And so this was back in May. They're, they're out of that now. And, in fact, there's, there's some protests happening there and in, and in other parts of Europe, which I'm sure you're probably, you've probably seen and heard of. But do you feel like we're going to come out of this better as a, as a society? I mean, you're a lawyer. You're, you're a smart guy. I'm sure that's come across in this conversation. Do you feel like there's hope? I mean, that's, that's ultimately what this podcast is about, the Hope Initiative. We, we joked at the start of the conversation. I think it was before we officially started, so people probably won't hear it, but there's not too much to, to cling to at the moment. There's not a lot of mm. hope, or certainly not as much as there would normally be. But I, I'd like to think there is. You just got to go and find mm. it. You got to spend a bit more time trying to find it. What do you think?
0: So a few thoughts. The first is it depends how you use this time. Um, you've got a lot more time to yourself. Are you investing in yourself? Like, are, are you learning a new skill? Are you reading? Um, are you trying to build your brand right now? Like, what are you doing? Like for me, I still have a job and you know, I thank God for that because a lot of people are out of the job right now, a lot of people don't have anything to do. A lot of people have lost their purpose in their meeting in life right now. And that's a very scary thing. I can't imagine the circumstances that some people are in right now. And, I guess for those people, you know, you're going to have a lot of free time, and you know, it might actually be that you can't get a job right now. You know, if you've just lost your job, it might because you know, I, as far as I'm aware, a lot of the jobs going right now, hundreds and hundreds of applicants. But there's always something that you can do. There's always some way you can better yourself. Um, you can you can really spend some time soul searching. Um, I would recommend journaling, um, and obviously, obviously, I'm biased here, but I definitely recommend praying. I think I think that God's real and I think he's wanting to guide us towards our purpose. So I think for some people, if if you're open minded enough, I think now's a good time to get to know God because ultimately I think if there's anyone that'll lead you to your purpose, it's the man that created you with it. Um and I and I definitely know how he has guided me into where I am now. And if I and if I hadn't gotten him back in my life, I don't think I would be where I am now. So that's another thing that I definitely recommend out there to people. Is there a new skill that you can learn that can help you? do you want to start your own podcast? Like you're listening, you like podcasts. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? I mean, it's scary as fuck. It truly is. Were you scared when you started, yours?
1: Yeah, man. I don't think I posted to social media to tell many people about it for like, actually it was August last year. It was after the Gary Vee. Maybe it was just before it, but it was around the time. And yeah, I was I was nervous. I told my, my, my first guest was my mum. She posted about it on social media that her son had started a podcast, and she was a first guest. She was very proud, and from there it, it grew. And I, I did a course that I shared it with people there because I was you know learning with them, and that's how it grew in, in, initially. But yeah, I was shit scared. Mm. Yeah,
0: because mm. so I remember first time first time I did an interview as well. Oh, <laughs> do you remember you like? I was, I I mean, was like oh,
1: a, you know speaking with my mum it was it was crazy
0: yeah mine mine was um my favorite cafe here in brunswick i interviewed uh milo from sesame soul and and everybody that's heard my podcast always says you know everyone's heard the first episode like he's my favorite (laughs) he's really good but i remember even sitting down with him you know i get coffee from this guy like three four times a week and we sit down and i'm nervous he's nervous like shit man i've done this before like are you gonna film this i'm like i mean i could he's like Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was funny, you know. We're both nervous, but we both worked our way through it. But you know, there's so much you can do with this time. There, there really is a lot you can do with this time. So yes, there is hope. You can become a better person, and you know the best thing about that is a lot of people. I mean, it's not the best thing, but a lot of people aren't going to become a better person during this time. Which means if you spend your time becoming a better person now, you've put yourself ahead of everyone probably like 90% of us. So that's definitely the opportunity for it now. Now, what about, what do I think is going to be in the broader scheme of things? I think things are really going to get worse before they get better. I don't see a world where things don't. And you know, this is one of those things about life. Life goes through cycles. The world goes through cycles. There is nothing new under the sun. Every generation of humans has had to go through some shit, some slugfest, And I think that we've been in this unprecedented time of prosperity. Um, We've definitely had a lot of peace in the Western world. Um, And, you know, I think we've become very used to everything being okay, everything being fine and dandy, but we've also been blind to a lot of big issues in other parts of the world. And I think we've been ignoring them. And I think now more than ever, some of those other issues are starting to rear their ugly heads. And I think COVID might've exacerbated some of those issues as well. Um, I think this is going to be devastating for people living in the third world. Um, Absolutely. And my heart really goes out to those people. But I, you know, the hope will be that after things do get worse, you know, Strong people will rise out of this because through adversity comes growth, comes strength, comes development. And I think we're going to see a generation of hopefully stronger people. And I think that we're going to be more attuned to the world around us now. And I hope that coming out of COVID that we're really able to start fixing some of the other problems that we have with this world. Because a lot of things have been happening and going unnoticed. And it'd be good to see a lot more positive change. But mm, I think, you know, for us here in Australia, hold on tight. Um, If I had to give some broad predictions, I think the rest of Australia will experience more lockdowns. I think there probably will be multiple. It's going to be, you know, just for a lot of people, a lot of businesses, it's going to be devastating for a lot of families. It could be devastating. A heart goes out to people suffering with mental health issues right now. Heart goes out to people you know, suffering through domestic violence, people that can't work to support and feed their families. But I really do think that once we get through this crap period, we should see something good. I think we're going to see a lot of positive things. But I won't go to it now, but I, have, I do have some other thoughts. And it's more so that I just hope that some of the extreme measures that are put in are taken away. Because as a lawyer, I'm seeing some of the laws that are coming through and some of them do scare me. And I think, you know, there has to be a point where the people need to be able to see this as well because we have a representative and a responsible government. That's an implied constitutional right that's been upheld by the high court. And I think that if there are things coming in that do seem that could be unconstitutional, as a people, we need to be strong enough to have a voice.
1: really well said man really well said thank you <laughs> so i'm just gonna plug your podcast obviously and i mean you feel free to but if anyone wants to get in touch with you right it's it's running from comfort mm-hmm. where else can people find you
0: um look feel free to follow my instagram at galloway underscore it uh that's actually my personal gram but i do post some of my podcast stuff on there there's a the, uh, podcast page on Facebook running from comfort. Um, that's, I, I post my podcast directly to there, the video. And more recently I've been doing a couple of live streams. So awesome. there'll be live streams on the Facebook page, my YouTube channel, Zach Galloway, all my podcasts get uploaded on there. Um, And look, really, if you want to reach out to me, feel free to hit me up in the DMs. If anybody listening feels like they've got something that they want to share, they've got a story of them getting out of their comfort zone. I mean, first of all, give your story to my boy here. But second of all, I'm all ears as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, seriously. Whoever, you know, the more, and like you mentioned earlier in the the conversation, start your own podcast if you want to. Anyone listening, like it's a lot of fun. You get to meet really cool people and have deeper conversations than what you might normally... Even if you were just talking to a girl for the first time on a bus, you know, you, <laughs> no, no, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, you really get out how of your comfort zone.
0: How are we going to do that in the modern world though? Like <laughs> one and a half meters and like, what's, what's flirting going to be? Like, it's going to be like, Hey, um, I just, I just thought you were really cute. Can I just see you without the mask for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> well, evolution is <laughs> a
1: weird thing, bro. Who knows how you <laughs> will <laughs> Now, look, before we go, Zach, and by the way, I'll put all of those, you know, links in the show notes, the typical podcast line. But the reason why I started this, as I mentioned, is because I listen to a lot of high-profile podcasts and the guests would be, you know, Olympians or massive entrepreneurs with billion-dollar businesses. And their their answers to a question of what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self it was quite cliche and it was along the lines of it'll all work out, keep going. And I wanted to know, what if I asked the everyday person that, what would they say? And you're 26. So I want to flip it. I usually flip this with younger guests. So Zach, could you answer, what would your advice be to your 56 year old self? If you could send send a message in a podcast, listen in 2050. Hopefully, we're still up and about.
0: To my 56 year old self, I have to give myself advice to my 56 year old self. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is I hope you learned how to save some damn money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to my 56 year old self, what advice would I give myself? I would say keep running the good race because I think as we get older, I don't know because I haven't been that old yet, but I think it's very easy to get complacent. I think a lot of people, you know, they go through mid to late life crises because they start questioning what they've done with their life. And even people that have done a lot in their early years, maybe they've settled down a bit. But at 56, you know, you still, I I hope to still be fairly young when I'm 56. I I expect I'm going to look after myself in a manner that I will. So keep running the good race. Don't just be complacent because you're 56 now. Keep on moving we have things to do
1: boom fucking love it bro thank you so much before we do go is there anything you'd like to add
0: i, I really enjoyed this conversation man you do a hell of a show my next step is to get on a level of the consistency that you're on
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's um it's, it's it's going to be a shameless plug man but um and i hope you don't mind um because really it's it's, it's slightly also a religious plug here too but Anybody listening out there, man, if if I have one thing to say, it is that I truly believe that God is real and that he sent his son Jesus to die for us and that the gift of eternal life is the free gift that we have in faith through him. I struggled a lot of my growing up trying to understand that concept. A lot of my darkest moments of life, I really feel we were brought upon because I was running away from God and in finding God again, I truly learned that he's a good God. He has a purpose for all of us and he wants us to live out that purpose. And if you want to look, you can find something you love doing and you can find something that gives your life purpose and meaning. That is great. But if you want to know what you were truly made to do, if you really want to know how you can have the biggest impact on the world, then you get God in your life because he made you for a reason. He put you here for a reason. And he loves you unconditionally in a way that I can't explain in a way I can't describe. And I hope to any of your listeners out there that if you ever want to take that plunge, man, that you get to experience that because an experience with God is something I can't explain. It's, it's not, it's nothing I'll ever be able to, but if I had never gotten God back in my life, I don't know where I'd be right now. I'd probably be in a shoddy headspace. I probably wouldn't have the job I have right now. I know I wouldn't have a podcast because I know where that idea came from. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, that's my advice. I know a lot of people are very adverse to it. And I think a lot of people, they've got ideas about God and about Christianity and about Jesus that have been projected onto them through their life, through other people, through people that have misrepresented it you know, people in higher places that have done bad things in the name of God. But I think the thing is, God's a very personal experience. It's He's somebody you get to know. He's your mate. He's like the father that you, best father you could ever have. And don't let other people's projections of who god is influence you if you want to seek god seek him wholeheartedly because he wants to get to know you and you'll probably find he's nothing like what you expected and he's so much better that's my advice
1: love it man well said zach galloway thank you so much for your time bro leave it there thank you very much all right so there you have it episode 58 with zach galloway thank you again mate for coming on it was a really good conversation and i look forward to hearing more from you everyone should check out his podcast running from comfort i've included the links to that in the show notes and if you want to get in touch with him all of the appropriate links are there also and guys as always if you enjoyed this conversation if you enjoy the hope initiative please share it with a friend share it on socials give me a rating on whatever platform you're listening on it all helps to grow the show and until next time all the very best